When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Best in the World Podcast with Richard Parr. Hello everyone and welcome to The Best in the World with Richard Parr. This is probably one of the most fun episodes we've had on the program. It is with the adventure man, Jamie McDonald. He's quite the character as you'll hear on the show. And what he achieved in his life and in his career is absolutely incredible. Jamie broke the world record for static cycling. Yes, that's cycling on one of those stationary bikes like you get in the gym. But he did it in a big marquee in Gloucester. And listen to this. He cycled for 268 hours, 32 minutes and 44 seconds to break the world record. Absolutely incredible. And he did it just after he'd cycled 14,000 miles from Bangkok to Gloucester. Incredible stuff. He tells us amazing stories from that journey, including how he was shot at in Afghanistan. You really want to listen to that. And then after he broke the world record, he then travelled from the Atlantic coast to the Pacific coast in Canada by running without the aid of a support crew, all for charity. And you can help support Jamie by buying his book, Adventure Man, Anybody Can Be a Superhero. I've got a link to it on the notes page of this podcast. Speaking of books, if you'd like to support our show, what you can do is you can try out Audible. Audible is one of the leading suppliers of audiobooks in the world. If you'd like to test out their service, just go to audibletrial.com forward slash best and they'll give you a 30-day free trial. You also get a free audiobook download. Unfortunately, Jamie's book isn't on there on Audible, but they do have over 180,000 titles for you to choose from. In fact, recently I was listening to Zlatan Ibrahimovic's audiobook. I'd really recommend you listen to that. But that code once again is audibletrial.com forward slash best. It is a product I personally use and I would highly recommend you try out as well. All right, we've got lots to learn on today's episode. It's lots of fun as well. Let's listen to the best in the world, the adventure man, Jamie McDonald. The best in the world podcast with Richard Parr. Jamie McDonald, static cycling world record holder. Welcome to the best in the world with Richard Barr. So much to talk about with you beyond the actual static cycling world record because you've covered and completed so many amazing feats. But let's start at the beginning. And you had 
a huge health problem at the start of your career, spending the first nine years of your life in and out of hospital. Why don't you explain exactly why that was to begin with? Yeah, I guess for the first nine years of my life, um, I spent um, most of the time or a lot of the time in, in hospital. I've got this weird condition called um, syringomyelia. Um, and since I was a kid, I had an immune deficiency, epilepsy, and, and sometimes I'd get lots of pain in my legs and sometimes I couldn't move them. There'd be, at night, sometimes it would feel like there'd be weighted bricks on them. Um, but about kind of nine years old, my mum uh, put a piece of string in the back garden and she 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 kind of said, come on, Joe, let's play tennis. And I remember feeling like I didn't really want to play, but I went out there and started cracking the ball. And that was when I kind of got my love for movement. And and in that year, like the, the symptoms gradually disappeared. And I'm I'm really lucky that that happened because I, you know, I, I, I should have lost my mobility or potentially even my life. Um, and so then, yeah, I just I was like a, like a dog with a ball. My like I just wanted to play as much tennis as I possibly could. And I had like this big vision to be like, you know, Tim Hemman or Roger Federer. Um, but at 16, it kind of I realized really, uh, Richard, that I was just I was just really, really untalented and bad at tennis. <laughs> How good did you get? Did you get to any kind of county level or anything like that? Uh, I did get to county level, yeah. Uh, so I pl- ended up playing for Gloucestershire. Uh, but, you know, I, I I don't know if I ever really believed that I should have been the, you know, the best. I don't think I – I think deep down I realized I was a hard worker, but I just knew I just didn't have the ability. Mm. So uh, you said that was about at the age of 16 you realized you, you weren't going to be the next Tim Henman. What was going through your mind then? What was going to be – the next stage of your life when when you came to that decision uh i get i wasn't really a project well i projected of being at wimbledon obviously but then once i let go of that dream um i was really lucky and blessed actually that i had someone in my life called kieran montague that taught me tennis for free because we never really had much money and and he believed in me but i think that nugget there that he believed in me and saw potential in me as an individual not just with tennis but he he believed in me as a person. So I, it was really heartbreaking that I had to actually tell him that I was never going to, you know, I was never going to continue on tennis. And I felt this loyalty and that I'd let him down. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I then, so I, I became a tennis teacher, which I was really proud about myself anyway, you know, as a tennis teacher. But then it, I, I just felt inside I wasn't fulfilling my full potential. So I, yeah, and I saved up twenty thousand pounds in the end to to try and like save up to get a house. And right at the last minute, I got that gut feeling in in your stomach. You know when the gut feeling when you know something's wrong, but you don't quite know what it is. Mm. And I pulled out and I didn't get the house. And that's kind of when I started to reflect on my life and being sick as a kid and and actually what is it that I want. Um, and and I had yeah that was that was it really. So what was it you decided you wanted? Um, well, I ended up going in. I had £20,000 in my bank, which is like the most money I ever had in my life. And I, I then went to the hospital that helped me as a kid. And I, I, I connected with the charity there and had a look at how they helped kids. And, and I walked out and I thought, you know what? If, if it wasn't for the hospital, I probably wouldn't be here today. And, 
and actually maybe I'm in a position where I can give back. So, so yes, well, I wore down. I once upon a time, which I know this is a little bit bonkers, right? But I once upon a time heard this guy who ended up cycling around the world, and I, I've met him. You know, like this guy. And he's just a normal guy. Where did you meet him? Um, oh, you know, I just met him like a brief, brief chat, and and that was it. Uh, it was it was really not a pinnacle moment at all. <laughs> but when I heard about him cycling around the world, I thought, wow, like he's I can't believe someone like him is doing something like that. So anyway, so I, I kind of connected the two and thought maybe I'm in a position to give back. And actually, maybe I could kind of cycle. So I bought myself a terrible old bike for 50 quid out of the newspaper. And then I chose to fly out to Bangkok in Thailand to cycle back to Gloucester. Wow. That is a, that is a long, long way. So what, what, what type of countries did you go through? Um, Shall I, shall I reel them off, Richard? What, do it. Let's go for it. <laughs> right, here we go. I'm, gonna, I'm getting good at this, like, really fast, <laughs> like machine gun. Okay, so Thailand, Cambodia, Vietnam, Laos, China, Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, Tajikistan, uh, Turkmenistan, Uzbekistan, Iran, Iraq, Turkey, and then Europe. Europe was so quick that I actually can't even remember the countries that I cycled through there. Uh, but, yeah, it was 14,000 miles in the end. Wow. Just from a logistics point of view, that sounds like an absolute nightmare regarding visas. Uh, well, I, the thing is, Richard, I don't really plan any of this. I just kind of went out <laughs> on like a well, kind of winged it. I didn't know what I was doing and I never really cycled before. But I just thought, oh, it would all work out. You know, I had to put trust. And I say that in the fact that, you know, when I arrived there on day one, um, this little nut came off my bike and I remember just melting down because the realization of I can't fix this bike because I don't know nothing about cycling. And then I, and then I'd locked myself in a hotel and puked on the toilet and thought, what have I got myself into? <laughs> but the next day, the next day I then, like, I, I, I just got cycling and said, come on, all you need to do is a few miles and that's it. So that's exactly what I'd done. And with each day that unfolded, it, I felt like, you know, that, that that's all I really needed to focus on. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> from a logistical side, it was turned into a bit of a nightmare. I've got most of my visas on the, on the border. Um, money goes very far. And then the only <laughs> time, the only time I had to really like, like start to plan things because I had no choice was once I started going through the stands so like um, Turkmenistan, uh, Tajikistan, and I had to get the visas in the countries before I arrived. So for example, Turkmenistan, they only, they only allowed to give me a five-day transit visa, and you had to give a specific date when you enter and a specific date when you leave. And so I'm peddling through Tajikistan and Uzbekistan to get there, and I finally get there. I'm a day late, so I've only got four days. And then I had to cycle through the desert and cover 500 miles through about 40 degree heat to then make it into Iran. Oh my goodness! Um, yeah, so it was. So you know, the, it from a logis logistical side, it was tough, but it, it all worked out, I guess. How much things were you carrying? Um, I had two two bags on the side of the 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 bike. Uh, so and they they're called panniers for any adventure cyclists out there, I guess. And then yeah, so you got two bags on the front and then two bags on the back. Oh wow! And 
So how how many miles, how many kilometers were you cycling each day? Would you guesstimate? I, I probably started off as I was a big wussy at the beginning because I, was, <laughs> you know, I wasn't a cyclist. So I probably started out doing like 20, 30 miles and that was brutal. Uh, but it really quickly, within a few months, I then I then was pedaling like sometimes like over a hundred miles. Wow! And you know, for anyone who doesn't normally cycle very often, you, you very often get a sore bum. So did, was that just something you had to cope with? Were you able to get any ointment? Did you have to stop for anything like that? Just yeah, just just man up, really. <laughs> I love that. Let's talk about manning up because psychologically there must have been days, like you said about puking at the start, but there must have been certain days where you just wanted to give it all up. You must have been thinking, why am I doing this? And what were the type of things that you would do to try and get rid of those thoughts and push yourself further? Um, it's, I guess a really good question, actually. So I think... As, as that journey unfolded, um, the adventure itself, so there was always people and weird people and different foods and cultures that were kind of stimulants to kind of occupy your mind. Um, but when things got really tough, like really, like when you start to get a bit like, what am I doing out here? You know, there was, you know, when I was in Tajikistan, I think I was six months on the road and I suddenly just, it just really, I, I just, I started to break. And I, I, I felt so lonely. And although I was meeting people, none of them could really speak English. So I, I just felt really isolated and I broke down into tears. And, you know, I, I, I had to do a lot of soul searching and, and the reasons of why I was doing it. And I guess in the end, you, I, it fundraising became a huge motivation in the end and I didn't want to let anyone down back home with people that were uh, following the journey through social media and that had donated and uh, so yeah so it just yeah that became the real focus to kind of get me out of that kind of dark hole I guess what was the worst moment on the whole trip worst moment was being caught on the Afghanistan border uh, being shot at mm -hmm. Uh, I, get, I woke up one morning and there was fireworks just going off all over the place and I was like, oh, this isn't good. Um, and I thought it was fireworks until I realized that it was actually gunfire. And then I, I, I went out and I was doing YouTube videos at the time, so I, I started filming filming it, but there was lights on my camera. So I started literally waving it in the middle of a war zone uh, in dark. So there was just lights flashing. So I, I ended up getting shot at, which is completely my fault. Um, and look, I wasn't hit. And after 30 hours, um, yeah, some guy came in and said, look, you need to get out of here now. There's a two hour ceasefire and it's going to get a lot worse after here. So, you know, you need to get out. I bet that was when you pedaled your fastest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pedal my heart out. And what was the best moment of the whole trip? I think the best moment, uh, do you know what, actually, something that, the best moment that kind of changed the way I feel about the world. So when I went up to Iran, this is like coming out of the war zone. So I come up to Iran and everyone was shooting me messages to say, don't go into Iran because they just burnt down the British embassy. And I, I thought, that, yeah. I, I'm thinking, you know, this is probably, and now I'm asking for trouble. You know, like I've just come out of now I'm asking for it and I crossed the border and all I had to do was just believe in that 
I had to trust the the people, you know, and, and because I trusted people all the way along. And as I came across the border, this guy came up to me and he said, where are you from? And in my head, I was just thinking, sound from Italy. And in the end, I just thought, no, no, come on, keep trusting. And I said, I said, I'm, I'm from, I'm from England. And then he said, you, me, we're not brothers. And I said, no. And then he walked off and I was thinking, oh no, this isn't good. And then he came back and he handed me a cup of tea. Oh, wow. That's amazing. That's, yeah. that's really powerful. And with moments like that, are they the type of things which you've been able to take from that journey and, and kind of bring into the rest of your life with the belief in people? Or are there other things which came from th- that journey you had, which, which you now use in your everyday life at all? Yeah, no, it's a really good question. Yeah, no, I, no one can take that, that experience that I had. And when I started the cycling journey, I, I never knew I was going to come come up with those experiences so uh oh absolutely yeah it, it fills your soul and makes you feel just so much better about the world and the people in it and and no one can take that away from me you know it's there it's cemented in and tell us about the moment when you finally returned home how did that feel yeah well i finally returned it to the children's hospital and my mum was there and dad was there so we got a big massive hug and then ended up doing a lap in King's Own Rugby, Gloucester Rugby Stadium. And, you know, it was like 10,000 fans. And I went onto the pitch with the rugby players, which is a real honour because they, they do not let people do that, you know. Um, and so I just felt incredibly proud. And, and it raised £10,000. And afterwards, you know, I was thinking, well, actually, I'd, I'd really like to raise more. And I had an idea in, um, in Iran because I ended up cycling like uh, 240 miles to try and make one of the visas. And I'd done it in one go. And I thought, wow, I thought, I, I didn't know I could do that. And I was like, I wonder if that's a world record. And then I, I Googled it. And then I found the world record for the longest ever bike ride nonstop. And it came up with this Italian guy and, and basically on a static bike. And he cycled for 10 days nonstop. I was like, that's impossible. Anyway, <laughs> the time I got home, I was thinking, actually, well, if he did it, then it might be possible. So I'm like, right, I'm like, let's let's go for it. So then, I when I, as soon as I got home, I then just thought I'd strike while the iron's hot, when I was physically strong, mentally strong. And then I I, I went to attempt uh, a world record for sitting on a static bike um, for as long as I possibly could. That's incredible. So how, how long a, a gap are we talking about from you returning to you starting this world record? A few days. A few days? Yeah. <laughs> See, when I, when I read about this, I assumed that, you know, you, you relaxed, you slept for a week, you went to a jacuzzi, you went and got a massage, and then six months down the line, you went and did this world record attempt. But you did a few days. Wow. Um, okay, so, and this was in a marquee, right? Yeah. And so the the simple question is is things like all right peeing and eating how did all of, all of that work? Uh, okay, so from logistical side, when you're sitting on by every hour you cycle, you can accumulate a five minute break. Okay. And so if you cycle for four hours, you can accumulate a twenty minute break, and so on. 
Um, and the only one, the really tough part is that you had to keep above 12 miles an hour every hour. And if it if it was under 12 miles over the hour, then then it was the end of the record. Oh wow! Um, and so the the record holders before me were taking 20 minute cat naps to to get as far as they could. But I was really blessed that somebody came across me and and kind of said, I think if you're going to really break this record, you need more sleep. So how would you feel about cycling for 24 hours nonstop? and then trying to accumulate a one and a half hour sleep cycle that you could take every night. And I didn't know what I was doing, you know, I didn't know anything about this, so I just kind of trusted him. And I thought, right, well, that's that's what we'll do then, I'll, I'll have a go. So I got pedaling, and on the very first night, I just, I led down, and I tried to sleep, and I just couldn't. Like, I just, there was too much pressure, because every minute that went by, I was like, I was a minute wasted. So I just got up and then I cycled 40 hours nonstop until then I, I took a took took my first one and a half hour sleep cycle and I managed to to continue that you know every night to take that one and a half hours. But then the pee breaks, Richard, you're right actually. So I I chose to not get off the bike to save the minutes for sleep. So I I actually I actually cycled and peed at the same time. <laughs> really challenging really challenging so i i noticed well I, I saw a picture of everyone kind of around you near the end of of this world record and so did that whole tent just stink of pee then <laughs> well i had actually my dad on hand one of his jobs was to come up with a little hospital pee thing and then i'd <laughs> pee into it and then he'd go off and, and empty it Oh wow! Uh, surely, when you were cycling for that those first forty hours, were you not becoming delirious at times? Not for forty hours. No, I went. I went probably about probably about four or five days before it got really kind of delirious and kind of crazy and mental in the brain. So, um, one of like on day eight, I I ended up kind of they they got me to bed and I remember going to bed for the hour and a half and the next thing that happened is I opened my eyes and everyone was around me that was helping me through and they were all saying are you okay Jamie are you okay and I just looked at them and like what just happened and they said that I they had to literally drag me from the bed and get me on the bike and I I had my eyes shut for about 30 minutes and I was pedaling <laughs> sleep peddling and they said and they said jamie like we should we call the ambulance because you haven't been here you're like we you're not you're not registering that there's we're not getting a response from you and and actually what what i then i started to think what's just happened over the last few hours and i was in the most beautiful dream that you could possibly imagine i actually uh, it, it's so vivid now because it's almost like it happened to me but I was pedaling on a static bike on a truck uh, with all my family and friends around me and we were driving down a country lane and I was just overlooking the country being like, wow, isn't this so beautiful? And it was such a beautiful experience. Um, but yeah, obviously they were thinking about calling the ambulance. Oh my God, don't tell me that's your next adventure to be static cycling on a truck as far as you can. <laughs> no, no, I, I just cherished that moment. And, yeah. So, how how did you feel when it when it finally ended? Was it uh, excitement, relief, exhaustion, or was it everything and more? Uh, actually, 
it, weirdly, I was just numb. Like, I think I was so sleep deprived and I, ju I almost just felt nothing. It was very, it was, a, you know, I, I, I mean, in the moment of breaking the record, there was this huge spike because all my family and friends were coming. They'd done a big countdown and fireworks. So I really, you know, the feeling was incredible to achieve it. Uh, but after that, actually, I went another 40 more hours to pass the record, but I just felt numb. And I, and as soon as I got off, I went to bed and and slept for 16 hours. Mm, well, that's that's amazing. And what about what were you eating throughout that whole time? And and how often? Uh, just fish and salad and really simple stuff. Never any sugar. Uh, never any uh, starch, so never any kind of pasta or potato or rice, because again, that's like a sugar. So what we tried to stay clear from was was those sugar spikes, and to just run naturally on on the human body rather than food. Mm -hmm. Why why did you decide this? Where did you get that information from? Again, it was from a really interesting guy, Jamie Richards, who who kind of said, look, you. The last thing you want to be doing is trying to fight through uh, sugar crashes. So that's just keep you on really simple food, easy to digest. And is that something you still do now, or you 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 still in, enjoy going back to pasta and rice, etc.? I don't limit myself. You know, like when it comes to diets and trying to box yourself in, it's like as soon as the moment you stick yourself in the prison of like, this is what I can eat and this is what I can't eat. Normally you crack. So, um, but I do try and stick near, it's called, I guess the paleo, the paleo kind of theory where just meat and veg. And, and so, yeah, so I kind of, I, I now am geared more over to, to that kind of way of eating because it just works with me really. I don't think there's a, you know, I'm sure in five years time there'll be more theories, but I've worked out that that for me, I run, really well and function really well as a human uh, on those types of food. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. 
Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The Best in the World podcast with Richard Parr. more from Jamie in just a moment but I want to tell you about Sportachino they are supporting today's podcast it is the sports show that I present on Facebook YouTube and on Periscope every single weekday we discuss all things related to sports health and fitness be it football wrestling cricket rugby advances in sports tech and data and also all of the latest product reviews that you would like to know about related to health and fitness. Go and check it out. Go to sportachino.com or what I'd love for you to do is go and like our page, facebook.com forward slash sportachino. If you don't know how to spell it, it's S-P-O-R-T-U-C-C-I-N-O. Lots of great content for you there every single weekday. So that is Sportachino. It is sponsoring today's Best in the World with Richard Parr. All right, let's return to the conversation with the adventure man, Jamie McDonald. The Best in the World podcast with Richard Parr. Breaking that world record was absolutely amazing. And, you know, you came up with that idea when you were in Iran and probably before you uh, did that um, challenge from Bangkok to Gloucester, you, you thought you'd never be able to break a world record and you were able to do it. And we, we've spoken a lot about belief and everything like that. And one of the main reasons I started The Best in the World with Richard Parr was looking at a lot of things as to whether it's nature or is it nurture. And with what you've been able to do, to do, do you think it's the kind of thing where if people's mindset is right that they can achieve the impossible that they can break world records yeah absolutely i mean i had no idea that i could have achieved that world record so but i i had to somewhere even if it was like a one percent inside me that that believed that maybe i could and do you think that is the difference between those who do and those who don't yeah, I think there's probably there's everyone out there has has the potential, but whether they believe in that or not is probably the difference. Okay, very interesting. And after you completed the static cycling world record, you didn't stop there, did you? You made a historic journey across Canada, becoming the first person in history to run the 5,000 miles from the Atlantic coast to the Pacific coast without the aid of a support crew. Tell us about that experience. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it is a bit bonkers. So after the static cycle, Richard, everyone then kept coming up to me in Gloucester. I was like, so um, like, what are you doing next? And and I, I kind of looked at them in, like, in disbelief, almost like, what do you mean, what am I doing next? Like, I've, I've done enough already. Um, but actually what it done is I started to think, actually, this year has been, it's been incredibly tough, but it's been incredibly rewarding. And actually, I feel like I am making a difference in the world. And at this point, it had raised £20,000 for the children's hospital, and they were now building a new school playroom. And so I, I thought, I had a visa for Canada, and I was thinking, well, like I was going to just go out there and be a backpacker and get drunk and just have some fun. <laughs> But then I thought, actually, maybe, you know, maybe I, I should go out there and, and carry on on this fundraising journey. 
So I was sat on the toilet at my mum and dad's house and I just, I thought, right, well, that's it. So I just burst out the door and I was like, mum, dad, I'm going to run across Canada. And <laughs> about a week later, I just flew out. I never really ran before. No, no clue what I was doing. And then I just, and then I just started a little bit like Forrest Gump, I guess. Amazing. Uh, and again, what, what was the real highlight of that, that trip, of that journey? Uh, I guess I had a really challenging moment uh, about halfway across where I had like a crossroads and I could either run a shorter route across Canada and with my visa running out and the winter kicking in, um, I, I kind of wanted to take the shorter route. But then I, I also, 15 marathons away, extra on top of the journey, uh, there was one of the children's hospitals that I was raising money for. And I got chatting with them and I said, what do you think? And they said, well, we feel like it would make a big difference to us. But but we recognize that, you know, we want you to achieve this. And when I got to the crossroads, I was like, oh, what should I do? In the end, I just I thought, well, I'm only doing this once. So I I went and, and, and attempted the extra 15 marathons. In that process, I ended up putting uh, the flash outfit on the superhero costume because uh, I, I wanted to run a bit faster. And I, thought, <laughs> and, I wanted, and I thought it'd help with fundraising. So I ended up running to the children's hospital. And when I got there, um, all, the, all the doctors and nurses came out and kids dressed up as superheroes. And in those, in those kind of 15 marathons, it ended up raising about $20,000. Oh, that's amazing. No, that's a, that's a great story. And you set up the Superhero Foundation, is that right? Uh, yes. Yeah. So after after Canada is kind of when when I started to kind of brainstorm, okay, well, you know, how do we help more people, really? And um, um, t- tell us about what, what's been up, what's been going on with the Superhero Foundation recently. Uh, so when I when I finished the, the run, yeah, I mean, I, I started to think, you know, when you're dead, like, it's pretty sad, really, isn't it, Richard? It's like, like, so how can I, how can I kind of leave something that can help people, even if I'm not here? And so we, I came up with the idea with a, a charity, a registered UK charity called Superhero Foundation, and it started with uh, a dad and a mum that got in touch uh, where where I live and said, "Oh, I've heard about your new charity. We, our daughter's got cerebral palsy, and we're trying to get her out to an operation." Um, to enable her to walk in America, uh, and the NHS are not doing it. Can you help? We need £20,000. And I was thinking, well, I'm not really sure. And then I went to their house and knocked on the door, and the dad answered, and he had a big beer belly. And he was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> sorry. That's my that's my computer calling. That's my girlfriend, actually, who is she's cycling uh, all the Andes Mountains in South America right now. Oh, wow. Uh, so, yeah. So I'm sure I'll chat with her in a bit, really. Uh, anyway, so anyway, back to the story. So I'm, I'm now I'm, I'm, I'm going in. So I'm going into, the, like, their house. And I think, do you know what? Actually, I think we can raise this extra money. So then we got the dad to climb up and down our local hill in Gloucester 75 times until he reached the equivalent of Mount Everest. So we got him right we we got him off and, and got him got him going up and down the hill and I, I regretted it a little bit in the end because he was crying and <laughs> he, he managed to pull through and we got twenty thousand pounds for his daughter and they went to uh, america and it was a huge success and so now 
I guess, Richard, I accidentally learned how to fundraise. So by raising quarter of a million pounds on the Canada run. And so now I'm just trying to take what I've learned to then pass it on to families that that need treatments that the NHS can't provide. The NHS is amazing, but there are treatments that just are not available yet. And they are in other countries that will make a difference to their lives. So, um, so we help them raise their own money. Uh, and we don't, it's not about guilt. We never want to guilt people into donating because it's full of that. And actually what we want to do is we want to inspire people and feel great about giving. And, and this isn't about people not working their socks off to get what they want. You know, they're, they're role models and superheroes within our world. Mm. Well, Jamie, we've certainly been inspired by listening to you today on the best in the world of Richard Parr and I think this is a, a perfect place to kind of wrap things up and normally at the end of each show we ask people to promote anything related to their social media to their website so please tell us all of that and also how we can find out more about how we can um, get involved with fundraising be it donations or, or supporting or, or trying our own challenge. Uh, th- do you know what? Thank you, Rich. I really appreciate that you're actually giving me this time because it is about making a difference. And that's that's really why we're put on this earth, I think. And and I've actually written a book and I've, I'm making all the proceeds to Superhero Foundation. Um, and I, I only volunteer with my with the charity. I'm very blessed and, and lucky enough to do motivational speaking. So that's how I kind of feed myself. Um and, and so, yeah, if anyone wants to buy the book, uh, it's called Adventure Man. Anyone can be a superhero. And that's on my kind of stepping stones in my life story, but also a big focus on the Canada run. There are a lot of stories on the Canada run. I can tell you, like, <laughs> nutty experiences. Um, and all the royalties from the book will go into Superhero Foundation. So it will almost be like you get a book, but also you, you'll be making a difference by getting it too. Um, so, yeah, and you can also, oh, you can, that's available on Amazon. Uh, so just type in Adventure Man, one word, anyone could be a superhero. And then you can follow me on social media. So just Jamie McDonald for Facebook and Twitter at Mr. Jamie McDonald. And Instagram, I've just gotten into Instagram. I've only done a few posts. It's a bit weird, but I'm getting into it. I think it will be pretty cool. Uh, and then and then yeah I just appreciate kind of any support really I'd love to see some throwback Thursdays on your Instagram with some of your amazing pictures from your journey I'm sure you've got some great ones because you did all your YouTube videos that would be great to see awesome cheers and you've been amazing as well thank you for just asking all the right questions and just yeah just genuinely being cool (laughs) thank you Jamie thank you for being on the show and thank you for being the best in the world (laughs) cheers Richard bye the best in the world podcast with Richard Parr I think we can all agree we had a wonderful time listening to the amazing stories of Jamie McDonald's. Please go and buy his book and support the Superhero Foundation. If you like world record holders I've got some really good recommendations for you on the best in the world go back and listen to the paddleboarding world record holder Damien Ryder that's an amazing story and also have a listen to Lizanne Van Vuren who was part of the first all women crew 
to sail across the Pacific Ocean. They travelled 8,446 miles for 257 days. She was part of that team and we hear some amazing things from Lizanne. We've also got lots of other people from all different walks of the sporting world. You can listen to Lee Selby, the boxing world champion. Maybe Laura Geitz, the netball world champion. Sean Murphy is a snooker world champion. We've also got Ian Williams, the sailing world match racing tour champion. Lots of amazing content on the best in the world. So please go back and listen to them. If you haven't already, I would love it if you would subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and also give us a rating and review. It really helps the popularity of this show. That's it for this week's episode. I'll be back next Wednesday learning from another sports star who is the best in the world. The Best in the World Podcast with Richard Parr. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 